am here to tell you that God has an extraordinary renovation plan for your life. And it is in such a way that you couldn't even understand it if he told you about it now. He has plans for you that are so far beyond your understanding. And I mean literally beyond your understanding that if he did tell you, it wouldn't make any sense. Here's what I mean. Imagine trying to explain to somebody in 1750 what a handheld smartphone is, right? I mean, think about it. If you tried to explain to them what it is to have a computer in their hand, they don't even know what a computer is. You said you have access to all the libraries in the world. Why would they need that if they, what, are largely illiterate and have no need for books? Then you start telling them you have access to all the art galleries of the world in the palm of your hand, you can download, whatever that means, any popular song that's ever been recorded. And the concept of Wi-Fi means what, right? So in other words, if you tried to explain to them, they would need a series of levels just to understand the next piece. In the same way, God has stuff he wants to build into your life that if he told you right now, you wouldn't have the understanding on how to even get to the next level. So he's got one level after another level after another level, and he is going to slowly reveal to you what he is making you become. Amen? Amen. Now, I got to tell you this. God is incredible at building and renovation. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions. What needs to change in your life? What needs to be renovated in your life? What needs to stay the same? And what needs to be overhauled? Yeah? Let me talk about those questions again. What needs to be built in you? What needs to be renovated in you? What needs to be changed and what needs to stay the same? You see, like a home renovation project, there are some things that are aesthetic and there's some things that are foundational. There are some things that you just need to put a little addition to it. There's some things that are rotted out and need to be completely ripped out and rebuilt, right? We are all in the process of becoming what God wants us to be, so there is no shame in needing renovation. If you're human, you need renovation. There is no other way of living. And all human beings need to be redesigned and rebuilt and renovated or even adjusted along the way. Because every single one of us is learning what God has built us and designed us for. And that's all in a process. But for some of us, it is very hard to imagine that God could do something extraordinary through you. And here's what I mean. There are some of us today, and let me be very honest about this, we're very transparent at Bridgeway. There are some of us that have come today and we're fresh out of recovery and we're just trying to get our kids back, right? There are some of us that have come here and we're wondering about, will we ever find someone to spend our life with? We don't know that. There are some of us that received the diagnosis and we wonder whether or not that diagnosis is going to dictate the rest of our lives. So when you have that mindset, it's almost impossible to think of things like family vacations 
If you don't have a family, how would you have a family vacation? It's so hard for some of us to think about new business ventures when we're just going day to day. There are some of us that struggle with even thinking about what it means to laugh again, to have a light spirit where things aren't so heavy in your heart. There are some of us that can't ever imagine being called into full-time ministry, but that's exactly what God has for you. You see, God can dream things you can't dream. God knows things that he can do for you that you couldn't imagine for yourself. There are some of us that are just checking this whole Christianity thing out, and we don't even have any idea if this is legit. The idea of being starting over again and having a complete reverse and having a brand new life is just now dawning on us. There's some of us that the idea that we have to continually be rebuilt in the Lord is a new concept. And then there's some of us, we've been walking with Jesus so long that we just know, you know what, I know there's more and I want God to put another addition onto my life. Because you know what, he's got more exciting stuff for us. God, what do you have next, yeah? Hmm, I got great news for you. I got great news for you. No matter what place you are at, the master builder knows what to do next. And you know what his name is? Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. God is brilliant at building, a master at renovation. Chip and Joanna Gaines got nothing on God, amen? Amen, all right. See, I'm not good at building stuff, and I certainly don't know anything about being a general contractor. But I know my Bible, and I know my God. And I can tell you this, my God built the entire universe out of nothing. I can tell you that my God built the Garden of Eden. I can tell you that my God demolished sin and demolished death on the cross, right? I do know that for sure. I know that he is renovating the fall of humanity. How in the world is he doing that? You see, that's the startling message of Easter. I was asked the other day by a friend, what's more important day of the year? Is it Christmas when Jesus was born? Or is it Easter when he died and rose again? I said, that's easy. It's Easter. They said, why? I said, many, many great men and women have been born. Many great men and women have even died. But only one got back up as the Messiah. Amen? Amen. You see, what Easter represents, it represents the possibility of life. Easter represents the idea of resurrection, that we could have eternal life start now, not just when we die. And when we die, we will not die eternally. We will not die spiritually. We physically pass from here to there, which means that life is eternal and will never end for the believer. What resurrection means is that Jesus lived the perfect life and wants to trade his with yours that you might live too. He will pay the penalty for your sin. He puts that on the cross and gives you a brand new life. That's what the resurrection stands for. Amen? Amen. His emergence from a stone cave marked his introduction to the greatest renovation project in the history of creation. What sin and death ruined, he is rebuilding. But this time, he's doing it better and stronger. What do I mean? 
I mean, this time he's already conquered death. It doesn't have any hold on us. This time he's conquered sin. It doesn't have any hold on us. As a matter of fact, he bound the enemy so that his children can go anywhere they want to go and do anything he calls them to do. As a matter of fact, victory is now that of the family of God. Amen? Amen. Now, he's going to change how he did ministry. You see, when he was here on this planet, the kingdom of heaven resided with him. Wherever he was, God was. Wherever he was, power was. Wherever he was, freedom was. But he wants a different plan. What's a different plan? He wants all that to start happening through his kids. He wants his church to be his body, his present reality in the world. That means that he wants to do all the world changing through you and through me. How in the world is that possible? I mean, we're talking about broken down, fragile us. We're talking about flaky and not ever staying strong with something and not always being loyal. We're talking about sometimes we have good days and sometimes we have bad days. How in the world is God going to use us to transform the world? Ah, I got a story for you. It comes out of John chapter 21. You see, Jesus had already died and rose again, showed up to his followers, right? Already showed up to him twice before. So they know he's alive, but now he's gone quiet. They don't know what their next move is. They just kind of hang around, and the longer Jesus is gone, you kind of got to wonder, did he move on? Did he pick some people that are better at this stuff? Because do you guys remember how the cross went down? Every one of his guys, except one, abandoned him on the cross. There was only John at the foot of the cross, nobody else. The women stayed. Where was his team? The guys were gone. As a matter of fact, the named leader, a guy named Peter, who was the loud mouth, the bold one, the one that would take a stand, he failed. As a matter of fact, he denied Jesus Christ that he even knew him. Out of fear and intimidation, he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus called him on it. You see, the last time they engaged with Jesus in any significant way, they blew it. They were failures. So here they are now on a beach. And they're wondering whether or not Jesus went ahead and grabbed some people that were better suited. They have no idea what to do next, so Peter says, you know what, guys, we got to eat. Man, most of us have been fishermen. We know this stuff. Let's just go get some food, right? So they go out, and they start fishing, and they fish all night long. They fish all morning, excuse me, all day, and then all night. It's starting to get into morning, and they've caught nothing. Sounds exactly like every fishing trip I've been on, (laughs) right? I determined this weekend that they were fishing in Folsom Lake. That there are no fish actually in Folsom Lake. Anyway, side note. And then all of a sudden, they see a figure on the beach. Can't tell who it is. And this figure asks one of the most irritating questions of any fisherman. Did you catch anything? That is only awesome if you have caught something. If not, you are publicly announcing you're a failure, right? 
So they said, no, we haven't. And then he says the second most irritating thing. Have you tried the other side of the boat? I don't know if you guys know how fishing works, but the little fishies can swim under the boat, right? So there's no such thing as the left side and the right side. There's no line at the bottom. And this is totally stupid. I don't know who guy on the shore is, but we do this for a living, right? So they said, you know what? We're so desperate, maybe he knows something about the currents that we don't know, cool. So they throw the nets on the other side, boom, there's a hit. Then another one, and another one, and another one, and the net starts filling up, and filling up, and filling up. All of a sudden, people are like, something's wrong here. John, Jesus' best friend, says, that is no ordinary guy. That is Jesus on that beach. Peter says, what's that? Dives into the water, swims to the beach, because he has to be where Jesus is. By the time they haul the nets ashore full of fish, Jesus already had breakfast going. He never needed their fish in the first place. Right? Uh, what does this mean? It means he's alive, and it means he didn't move on. It means they're still his people. It means that he can do something with them, and he obviously has some plan they don't know about because they're doubting themselves. How could Jesus hand the ministry of eternal life off to men who have failed so badly. Well, let me make it personal. How can Jesus trust us with ministry to be the salt and light of the world with how messed up we really are? Do you doubt that? I bet you the disciples did too. Can he use us? Let's consider that during this next song. I'm living in a place where everything is more than I imagine. Where what is undeserved is freely given. All my regrets and my failures all of my wrongs have been left at the cross Now all that remains is the Father's love Oh Lord, you take me as I am Over and over you call me yours again And you see it all, still you want me How you love me your kindness and mercy reminds me how you love me, how you love me as I am. So let us be together, seated at your table in communion, where everyone is equal in your presence. Where I am from or where I've been, the way that I've lived or the color of skin Nothing will change how the Father loves me Lord, you take me as I am Over and over you call me yours again And you see it all 
disciples on a beach have to do with you and me, right? Like this, the story's not done yet, but I think it's a lot like what's going on right now. You see, I think that the beach was a setup. I think that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. I think he caught the disciples off guard, and I think he had some stuff he wanted to get done. And I think that's exactly what's happening right here, right now. I think you're getting set up. And here's why I, I think that. Why are you here? I mean, not, why are you at this service? Why are you at this church? Why are you in this area right here, right now? Why all those things? You're telling me all of that is an accident. I don't think so. I think you're getting set up. I think that God set in motion a plan, and that plan led you right to this moment where he would have a personal interaction with you. That's what I think is going on. Amen? You see, the disciples never thought they were going to meet Jesus on a beach. Shouldn't they have met him like at a prayer meeting or something dramatic, right? They never thought they were just going to find him when they were fishing. And he caught him off guard. Well, you, you're going to come to another church service, right? I mean, it was going to be... It's going to be another time that you came in to Bridgeway, or it was going to be another Easter that you showed up, and maybe you were going to hear the same story, and I don't know what your expectations were for today, but I can tell you this, God had bigger expectations than you did, Amen. right? See, in the story, at first they couldn't tell it was him on the beach, and I think right now you keep hearing stuff that I'm saying and some of it is resonating in your soul, but you're still not sure whether or not that's just you, your head, is it messing with you, right? I mean, is God really talking to human beings today? Is he, is he really talking to you? I mean, that's a fair question. And right now, you're not so sure. It starts sounding right, it seems logical, seems good, 
But I'm telling you that God is in our midst and he's whispering to your heart. Is that a real thing? Well, I'll tell you this. You see, as they move forward, they started getting indicators that it was legit, that it was really Jesus. Here's what I believe is going to happen. From this moment forward, you're going to start hearing one thing resonate after another. You're going to start seeing one connection made with another connection. You're going to start watching all the pieces fall into place. And you're going to become extraordinarily convinced that God is talking to you directly. Amazing. You see, Jesus is calling you. He has a renovation plan for your life. And he wants to talk to you about it today. So now what? Well, let's go back to the story. Jesus takes the leader, Peter, for a walk on the beach. And as they're walking along, you got to remember that there's no way Peter didn't have that shadow hanging over him of what just happened, that he had failed. So Jesus is walking along, and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. You know that I've given up my whole life for you. I mean, yeah, of course. But you got to imagine that in his mind, he's like, I know why you're asking this, because I failed you. I know why you're asking this, because I bailed out. When people really put me to the test and put my feet to the fire, I gave up. All right, I hear it. Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, all right, then I need you to do the ministry and take care of people for me. Okay. They go walking on a little longer. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yep, I sure do. I think it's weird that you just asked me twice. I feel like we've just gone over this material, so I'm getting a little bit nervous, not quite sure why we're talking about it again. But yes, I do, Lord. Okay, I, I, I see you're trying to dig into this thing. Yes, I'm a failure. I get it. All the guys think that I'm a failure, and, and you're asking me now about my loyalty. All right, yes, I do love you. Absolutely. All right, great. I need you to do the ministry and take care of people for me. Okay. They're walking along, and Jesus has another question. What do you think it is? <laughs> Peter, do you love me? Okay, now I'm freaking out. Why are you asking me this? Lord, you know all things. Are you trying to say that I don't love you? I mean, I'm just examining who I am as a fallible human being, and I'm all in. So that's all I know. I get it. I failed. I failed. I failed. I know all that. But yes, I love you. I'm just a broken person. And Jesus said, okay, I just need you to do the ministry and love on people. You see, Jesus only has one question that matters for you today. What do you think that question is? You see, the rest of your life depends on how you answer this question. Because if you say, yes, I love you, and you mean it from deep down inside, then the renovation project of Jesus Christ in your life is active and moving forward. But if you are merely trying to get him off your back, if you're merely trying to get other people off your back, and you're like, yeah, whatever, and you're trying to say some answer that placates God, I'm going to tell you right now, the renovation project is on hold. There will be no more transformation. The only question that matters at this moment is whether or not you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
You see, Jesus said that was the greatest commandment, and if you actually add one more, which is to love your neighbor as yourself, you actually fulfill the entire Bible. Sounds simple, right? Pretty complex. Christianity is based on relationship with God. Relationship is based on love. So there's only one question that really matters. Do you love Jesus Christ? That's the question. And then when he finished the conversation, he gave him two words of command. You guys remember this? Two words of command. How is Peter going to do the ministry? How is he going to do the impossible? Two words. Follow me. Follow me. Those two words are everything you need to know about God's renovation for your life. And here's why. His plan for you is so complex that you wouldn't be able to follow it. His plan is so expensive that you could never pay for it. His plan is so intense that you could never handle it. So you're not bringing a lot to the table. There is only one thing you can do, and that is obedience and following him. Amen? Amen? What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to live according to his agenda, his priorities, make what's important to him important to you, and that you would say yes every time he calls. Can you do that? Is that possible? Now, not for the person next to you, for you. Not theoretically, you. I mean, you look back over your life, I don't think you've always been as loyal as you wish you were. So can you do that? Can you follow him? Can you say yes to him every time? Do you have what it takes to follow through? You see, if your answer is, I don't know, you're probably exactly where Peter was. You see, Peter didn't know some stuff. See, Peter didn't know that that walk on the beach was Jesus' reinstatement to leadership and to the ministry. Jesus knew full well what Peter did, but it didn't matter. Jesus knew what he was doing. So he was reinstating him, putting him back into leadership, putting him back into the ministry. You see, Peter only saw broke down, Jesus still saw potential. But Peter didn't believe that about himself. You see, Peter didn't know that uh, three years before that, Jesus had changed his name with a prophetic message, said, people call you Simon, I'm calling you Peter, because you're going to be an immovable rock of a person. Now, you got to understand, everybody laughed at that time because he was anything but that. He was all over the place and flaky. But see, Peter didn't know that what Jesus starts out to do, he always finishes. Amen. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Amen. You see, what Peter didn't know was that upon the rock of the truth of the gospel, upon the rock of the life of Jesus, upon the rock of the foundation of what we call capital T, truth, that God was going to launch a ministry. He was going to launch a movement. He was going to call it Christianity. Through Peter and the other apostles' leadership was going to come an explosion, a renovation, a kingdom of epic proportions. Starting now on that beach, within 300 years, the entire known civilized world would call themselves Christians. 300 years, he didn't know that. 
You see, Peter only saw failure. God saw project. It matters very little what you think of yourself today. Because all those questions I asked you, you probably had a little bit of doubt in your mind. Are you going to be able to cut it? Are you going to be able to follow him? Are you going to be able to say yes when he calls? Probably a lot of you said, yeah, I don't know if I can answer that. Okay. It doesn't matter a whole lot what you think of yourself. It matters way more what he thinks. You see, it matters little what the tiny house on the corner that's all broken down thinks of itself. It only matters what a master builder knows what he can do on that property. As a matter of fact, the house doesn't need to come up with a plan. The house doesn't need to finance the plan. The house doesn't even need to carry the faith to get it done. Only the builder does. Ah. The job of the house is only one. Give way to the builder and let him do what he needs to do. Could I have the worship teams come on back up? Here's how we're going to close it out. There are three groups that I want to pray for very specifically, very passionately. There is a group here today that for the first time in your life, it has dawned on you that you are not connected to God. And for the first time, that's actually a problem. That you realize inside you don't have a relationship with God. You know about God. You do good things, but that has nothing to do with it. You see, good people don't get to heaven. There aren't any. Forgiven people get to heaven. That's a whole different ballgame. There are some of you right now sitting here, sitting in our outdoor venue, sitting at your home online, and you know full well that your sins are still in your life. You still realize there is no shot at heaven because you don't know how to control your afterlife. But someone else does, and I got good news for you. You see, what I'm here to tell you is that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, doing everything right, so at this moment, he could trade his life for your broken one. That now all perfection that was in him gets transmitted to you. That now you can have eternal life, be connected to God, and you will never die. You go translate from one glory to the next glory, but you're never going to die. You know full well in your heart you were built to live forever. Death freaks you out because it doesn't seem right. You know why? Because it's not right. Sin agitates you. Why? Because it's not right. And Jesus has a plan to take care of it. What he has said is that if you are willing to surrender, if you're willing to be that little house that gives way to the master builder, he knows what he can build in you. Amen. You are not expected to do everything right. You're expected to be you. And then he's going to make you into more of you and better, right? You see, here's what he said. If you would confess your sin to me, just own up to who you really are. Here's what I'll do for you. I'm going to take you into my family. I'm going to cleanse you from all your sin. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come live in your life so that you are never alone again. I will always be with you from now till all the ends of eternity. That's what he's offering to you right now. So we're going to pray for you in a moment. But there's another group I want to pray for.
And this is a group that you've been walking with the Lord, but you're looking at your life and it sure doesn't look anything like Jesus, right? Like somewhere along the way, distortion got involved. You said yes to him a couple times, but mostly you said no. You, in your own life, chose you. You're probably still sitting on his chair, the throne of your life. And he would like you to get out of that chair and let him back in there. That you know you need massive renovation. You need your spiritual life to get on fire again where you start living for him and being who you were built to be. I'm going to pray for you too. But there's a third group. The third group is this. There are some of you that have been walking with Jesus and you love him with all your heart and you are happy to call him your God and you do have a relationship with the Lord. But lately you've been hearing whispers in the wind that there's more. What do you mean more? I mean that you would be able to have a deeper prayer life. Like when you read the Bible, it would open up to you that you could actually do ministry, that when you lay hands on other people, the Holy Spirit gets to do stuff through you you didn't even imagine were real. I'm talking about signs and wonders. I'm talking about the ability to hear your God and be able to communicate on his behalf. I'm talking about being a conduit of evangelism where when you share the gospel, other people can learn about Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a whole different level of Christianity. Amen? So that's what we're going to pray for, yeah? Let's do that. So here, you know, whether you're in the outdoor venue, you're at home, right here in this room, I just want you to pray with me. Let's do this. Heavenly Father, in this beautiful, holy moment, we are asking that our lives would change right here, right now. That is, this is the perfect moment that you have orchestrated all year long, that we would be right here, right now, engaging with you. We ask that you would glorify yourself. We are going to lift you high, and we ask that you would draw us to you. God, right now, the first group I want to pray for are those that you are calling for the first time. That, Lord, they have never had a relationship with you, but right here, suddenly it's possible. If you are in this campus right now or in your house and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be forgiven of your sins, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor's talking about me. Who wants to receive him? Amen, amen, amen. Yeah? Let's do it. Yeah? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, right now we say we need cleansing. We need healing. We want to start all over again. That, Lord, our foundation is wrong. We've had a foundation about us. And it was only about us and trying to survive in this world. But we were built for more. And we admit right here, right now, we have not been connected to you. We have not been living the life you built us to live. So we confess our sin and say, save me right here, right now. Jesus, allow your cleansing and your forgiveness and your washing and all of that to flood our lives that your love would pick us up off our feet and that we would know that our light turns on right now in Jesus' name, that we might be eternally living from this moment forward, that when we pray, you hear us. When we read your word, it opens up to us. God, I just pray that we might have a relationship with you and have it inaugurated right now in Jesus' name. God, there are some of us here in this place that, Lord, that we've been walking with you and we don't look enough like you. 
We said yes sometimes, but we said no a bunch of times. God, right now, I just pray that you would begin to stir our hearts. We need to get on fire again. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor's talking about me. If we need an overhaul, let's do that. Heavenly Father, we raise our hands and we say, would you light us a flame again? Would you give us a freedom again? Would you transform our lives? And God, we know you. We just need to live for you more. So we say yes to your way in advance. We say no to selfishness. We say no to sin. And we get off your chair and let you on the throne of our life. Right here, right now, we say yes, God. You are our everything. We want to turn away from the world and turn towards heaven right here in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. There is a group of us, Lord, that you've been whispering to. Holy Spirit, you've been talking on our inner sound system. You've been allowing other people to talk about it around us. We're hearing it on things on the radio and on podcasts, and we're hearing about it in church, and we're hearing about it in worship songs, that we know there's more. We know that there's a whole new level that we get to get to you with intimacy and connection where, Lord, that prayer doesn't always have to be so difficult. That, Lord, that we might be able to feel everything is personal with you. We are praying right now by lifting up our hands. God, we want more. We want more. We want more. We want more. Holy Spirit, anoint us. Baptize us. Wash us. Cleanse us and empower us for our next movement forward. We are asking that you would do the signs and wonders through us that you need to do in this planet. That God, that you would use us to hug the hurting, that you would use us to save the lost, that you would use us to be able to pray for the wounded, that Lord, through our hands being laid on, people would be healed, that we would be able to hear you clearly and talk for you clearly. We pray, Lord, that all that you have in scripture would be true for us all the dreams you have would be true for us and we ask all of this in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ amen